This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, so uh, I'd like to welcome everybody. Welcome to Torah Anytime. Uh, today's topic is Karat. So Karat is, literally, it means cut off. It means getting cut off. Now, people don't understand this very data. Imagine you have, let's say, a hedge fund baby, right? So you have somebody who is, uh, you know, the second that he's born, he has $2 million, $20 million in his bank account, right? His father is a multi-billionaire, and he knows he doesn't have to work a day in his life. Till the day that he dies and his children, his children don't, he's set. And he goes, he gets 18, and he gets, you know, his Ferrari, you know, the, you know, the basics. And uh, he gets his mansion in, you know, in Malibu. He gets everything that everybody could ever possibly want, his private jet, everything, everything. And uh, his father tells him a few things, so he listens, he plays, he plays uh, the role of, of uh, son. And then, he, uh, one day the father hears about something he did, and he got really upset. He says, listen, if you don't fix your way, then I'm going to cut you off. You're not getting a, a penny out of me. That person is going to jump through fire, go through hoops, do whatever his father, whatever you do, I'll, whatever you want, I'll do, just don't cut me off. Because I need, I need everything that you have. That is, karat uh, means getting cut off, but getting cut off from God. The ultimate, ultimate good. The ultimate benefactor. So, what, the, the purpose of, of tonight's show, we're going to try to focus on a few things. Number one is, what does it mean getting cut off? There's, a, there's a, just getting cut off can mean a, a few things. Does that mean from this world from the next world? So we'll discuss and we'll explain what that means. It, we'll also discuss what sins that you do will get you cut off. And Bezat Hashem also will hopefully get away that if somebody did those things, how to get out of it. Right? Besides the Chuvah, there's, there are certain things that, that a person could do. So though, that is the goal for tonight. So the, uh, generally, you know, you were saying before, it's a heavy topic. If you have two choices, right? You have, uh, let's say you're in a room, you're, you're in this, uh, um, you go to this convention center and they have a bunch of speakers speaking about all Torah and all the things and you have two choices, right? You have a guy who is going to say funny jokes throughout the entire time. It's going to be really enjoyable. You have a guy who's just going to scream at you like nonstop, tell you that you're wrong and you're sending and doing all these things and you have two options of where to go. What do you think would be the best for you to, which, for you to go? Now, everybody here, being that I phrase it that way, is going to be like, well, obviously the, the stricter one. But let me, let me uh, well, at least I hope so. Let me uh, give you a, a easier an example to understand it. Let's say you want to get into real, real, real shape, right? And be physically healthy in the, your peak of your life. You have two personal trainers. You have somebody over there who's going to eat potato chips, you know, that's going to rest on his belly while he tells you to run laps, right? And uh, then he's like, you know, he gets up and he's like, all right, do some stretches, do some warming up, and I'll see you in a week. Don't worry about it. Eat whatever you want. Then you have somebody else who went to the Israeli army, right? He, uh, you know, he comes in, you know, really serious with the, band- with the bandana over here, no sleeves, right? And he is going and he is screaming at you. He's like, come on, five more. Which one would you go to? First of all, it depends how serious you are. But if you're serious and you really want to lose weight, you really want to get fit, you're going to go to the guy who's really tough because you know that's what's going to get you the results. The same thing with speakers. Speakers, you have to go with the person where, the, where, where they give you the results. You have to, so, so hearing things that might be a little bit on the scary side is actually really, really good and what you should really look for because that's going to make you change. That's going to make you uh, do what you're supposed to do. In fact, the Rambam, I believe, says in, more, in the introduction to Morin of Vukham, he says that if, let's say you have a group, let's say you're a speaker, and you're speaking to a group of, I don't know, hundreds of people, thousands of people, whatever it is, and you give like a really, really strong class, and everybody else was like, what are you this, this guy's a fanatic. How is it possible? This guy's crazy, and, and everybody gets turned off, except for one person. One person says, you know what? Maybe this guy has, uh, you know, he's right. Maybe I should change my life. What do you think? Was it worth it for the rabbi to say that? But he turned off a thousand people. But he got one guy was like, all right, that's it. I'm changing my life. What do you think? Yes. You should still do it. That's what he says. You're supposed to do it. Right? There are always people that, uh, they're always going to find excuses. You have people that come and then they'll come for a class and then they won't show up again. They, for them, it's, it was never about gaining. It was never about gaining more information. It was never about getting closer to God. It was just like, all right, let's see what happens. The free sushi and whatever we have else over here that goes on. Let's listen to what the nutritionist says. So the the Rambam in Hilchot Shuvah says that there are certain levels of sin. There is a certain type of sin that is the first paragraph of Hilchot Shuvah. He speaks about. He says that if there's a, there's someone who does a sin that violates a positive commandment, which means is God says do this, and he said no, and he doesn't do that that mitzvah. So when he does Shuvah, that Shuvah, the second that he finishes the Shuvah, the Shuvah is complete. Which means is, he, let's say some, let's say for a man, he didn't put on tefillin, right? And he feels really bad, he does a complete tshuva. The second that he gets up from that table that he did the tshuva, it's in his erased. No, everything is, is gone. Then there's the second level, we're gonna go in level of severity. To do tshuva means say I'm sorry, I did the wrong thing, and then start doing it again? 
we'll definitely not start doing it again. But no, no, the, no, I'm saying for mitzvah says so basically. Yes, 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 exactly. So, so the the general rule is for tshuva, and we'll we'll have to speak about it. Uh, when I was coming closer to Elul, we'll speak about the laws of tshuva, which I want to do a, a mini series on it. Mm-hmm. So, but the number one thing is stop sinning. Number two is um, regret it. Not like, oh, yo, remember that night in Vegas? High five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's not really, you know, that, uh, really chuba. And number three, what do we say? We said stop doing it, uh, regret, and, and, uh, um, oh, and, and, t- oh. Can, and yeah, start doing the right thing. Speak, yeah, say to God. Garbage yeah. goes into these bins out here. Not in the ladies' room where we found them last week. Oh, I'm Please. so sorry. Thank you. Thank you. So, the, uh, the rule, so that, again, the, those three things is number one is stop doing it. Number two is regret. Number three is confess to God, right? You don't have to go and, you know, excuse me, everybody, I want to like make an announcement. For a few years, I've been sinning, and you, you know, you don't have to announce it to anybody else. You have to only announce it to God, right? If you want to announce it to, to a certain rabbi, maybe he'll give you some sort of uh, level of what you should do for Tuvah, that's something else. But you don't have to, there's no confession booth in, in Judaism that you, you actually require. You have to confess it to God. Okay, so that's level one we spoke about, is, is violating a positive commandment. Then there is a level two where you violate a negative commandment. For example, God says, don't do this, and you did it. Don't eat non-kosher, and you anyway eat non-kosher. So that, you have to do Tuvah. And, and besides doing Shuvah, you also have to wait for Yom Kippur. Once Yom Kippur comes, then you're clean. Right? And I, I'm, we're assuming over here that it is real Shuvah, not the, the fake Shuvah. And then there is number three, which is Karet. Karet, you have to do Shuvah, you have to wait for Yom Kippurim, and you still have to wait because suffering comes to that person. If su- suffering is going to come to that person, after the suffering, then he, got, then he becomes clean. So this, you see, Karet is a pretty, pretty serious uh, sin. That not only you have to do Tshuva, you have to wait for Yom Kippur, but you have to get suffering in order to get it cleansed. And uh, that's why I feel like it's such an important topic, because who wants suffering? Who wants to deal with, the, with certain things if you know how to avoid it? And number uh, three is, uh, um, the number four is Chilul Hashem. Chilul Hashem is the worst. Chilul Hashem is you have to do Tshuva. And then you have to wait for Yom Kippur. Then you have to go through suffering, and you're still not cleansed until the day of death. Once the day of death is, then you get the uh, uh, cleansed. Chilul Hashem. So, the, uh, let's start speaking about the levels of, of what does it mean to get cut off. Right? Cut off is a very, like, what does that mean? What, do you, what, do you mean? what does it mean when God says, I'm cutting you off? So there's a few different explanations. We're gonna, I'm going to give you a bit of explanation, and possibly later, maybe we'll also do the Shari Chuvah's explanation if we have some time. So the Abinu Bechayi says like this. First of all, uh, there is, uh, let, let's just explain it out. Let me explain it out and then we'll explain each one. There's three types of getting of karet. Number one is dying early in this world. So it's dying prematurely before your time. You're supposed to live until 120. You die at 40. That is karet. Number two is getting cut off in the next world. Which means, oh, well, you know, we'll explain it. And number three is both this world and the next world. So these are very, very serious things that we're talking about. And Let's go through each one. Let me explain it, and then we'll go to uh, also explain it in each specific one. First of all, what does it mean to get when you die early? Right? Die early. So, karet is dying before 50. Somebody who dies before 50, it's a death of karet. Now, not necessarily the many righteous people that die before the age of 50. So, it doesn't mean that everybody that you hear of the age of 50, you'd be like, well, I know this guy, you know. Dude. No, it's, it doesn't necessarily mean it. It's, it. This is just a problem. Only God knows, right? We're, we're no one to judge, but this is um, how the Chazal explain it. Then there's also Misa B'deshem which is by the age of 60. Uh, we'll see if we have time. We'll explain a little bit about that. So, level number one. Level number one means dying before your time. Dying early. What does that mean to die early? And uh, what happens if somebody did a chiyuv karet after the age of 50? How does that work? So, number one is that if you have somebody, and what classifies to getting somebody to die early in this world versus getting cut off in the next world versus both? So if, let's say, you have somebody that is, has in his, in his life book, he has more mitzvot than averot. So he has more merits than sins. So his balance, he's looking good. And then he commits a certain sin, one of the 36 sins that are chiyuv karet, on purpose, then his punishment is that he gets that he dies early. That is the death of dying early. Now, what happens if, let's say, he, this is you have this righteous person? That's that's not as bad. And then getting cut off in the next world. Next world is the worst. Yeah, actually, both is the worst. But yeah, th- this world is is not as bad as as dying the next world. early. It's basically saying you have a chance to correct yourself in the next life. Dying early means saying, like re- like we're letting you restart. Not necessarily. It doesn't mean that you come back as a reincarnation. Oh. Yeah, it, uh, not necessarily everyone gets to come back. Reincarnation is a privilege. Wow. Gilgul is a, is, a, is a big schut. 
In fact, it's one of the, it's one of the midat of chasad, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu for correcting sins. There's five, three of them are of gvua and two of them are of chasad. Um, I think reincarnation and ibu is of uh, midas chasad, and then you have other ones of, uh, you know, Gehenom, for example, is midas adin. So, anyways, so going, uh, going back to, to, so what we spoke about now is somebody who's, let's say, 40 years old, and he does a certain sin, and he has, he's a more, he's a righteous person, he dies early. Now what happens if somebody's 70, and he did a certain sin of chiyuv karet, now it's, he's already past the time. He's already past the time. So how do you get this guy, uh, Khaled? So it says Chazal that this refers to somebody who goes and he'll die really quickly. So he'll get sick and he'll die within three days. He'll die. This is called Karat of days. There's Karat of years and Karat of days. So somebody who does, let's say, Achiyuv Karat, whatever in the, you know, after the age of, of the deadline, if you can so speak like that, then he will die, uh, really quickly. Again. If you see somebody who's 70 and he just dies instantly, don't automatically assume that that, I'm just saying this is a, there's a problem cause and, and only for, uh, for, um, Hakodesh Baruch for, for to judge. The next thing is getting a death of the soul, getting cut off in the next world. God says, you know, getting cut off in the next world also explain what that means. So you cease to exist, what happens to you as, as a, as a neshama. So, death of the soul is if you have somebody with more sins than merits. So you have somebody who's a big sinner. He has a few mitzvot, but a very, very big sinner. This type of person, he gets, he'll live out the life. He'll live out, God will live, let him live a long, ripe life. And you see some people that they keep on sinning, sinning, and they live very nice and old and ripe, and they have a lot of money, and they have a, yeah, this is one of the categories where, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells, the Torah says that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes and he pays him in this world just to get rid of him. So in the next world, he's going to have nothing. So that type of person is, is somebody who's wicked, he is going to get cut off in the next world. So let's say somebody who had a lot of uh, sins, very little mitzvot, and he has one of the sins, our sins of Karat, he gets, he gets a, a death uh, of the next world. So his soul gets cut off. Good so far? The, the third category is both. Bonus level, right? You have both this world and the next world. That, what it, that's specifically for certain uh, severe sins, like uh, uh, serving idol worship, cursing you know, uh, against God. Those are, the, the, those are the, the basic three. Now, what happens when, it, when, I, when I just said that the soul gets cut off in the next world, what, what happens to that soul? You know, the soul, so we know that after a person dies, there's another world. There's another world, you have a world full of souls, you have Gehenna, you have Ganeidin, you have all these different uh, places. What happens to the soul that gets cut off? It goes wandering, says, I don't let you in that house. So there is actually, actually a machloket. There's a dispute between Maimonides and Nachmanides, Ramban and Ramban. Maimonides says that somebody whose soul gets cut off dies the death of an animal. Right? I don't know how, uh, you know, people who think they have, uh, you know, animals and the animal unfortunately passed away, they think they go into cat heaven and doggy heaven and things like that. That the, the, the animal ceases to exist. The soul ceases to exist after that. The nishama is a very low level of nishama and it just ceases to exist. Unless it was a reincarnation of somebody else and, you know, then it goes on to, to whatever levels that it, uh, that it needs to go. That is what Maimonides says. Nachmanides says, Ramban says, says no. He says that it gets cut off in the next world, but it still has a possibility to get resurrected in the resurrection of the dead. So in the interim uh, period, that soul is not going to be allowed to enter in the world in the Olam HaNeshamot. Now, uh, the, this that we're saying, all these sins are only if they are done on purpose. Okay, I know I ran through it because uh, uh, I wanted to get to the 36. Any questions? That makes sense? Okay. Um, how, so... so um, Ramban says that a soul that was that, that had karet could still um, get tchiyat Yeah. But so once he goes to whatever, once he dies and he's karet, how does he? Like, what can he do that would change his merits? He can't. He, he he can't. There's no after you die. That's it. There's no more free will. There's no more slicha. Uh, I'm sorry. I could just. How do you have the possibility of It's it's depending on the level of sin. But he has a he has the what he did in this world. He has the ability to still get resurrected in the, in the resurrection dead. Mamani says no, he doesn't, he's done. It's game over. Okay. Right, there's no more put an extra quarter to play again. It's finished. So, uh, Ramban says no, it's, it's still, he still could get it in the, in the Triatma team. Okay. So, uh, and of course we're talking about these that are specifically somebody who did these things on purpose. Not by accident and no, things like that. This is specifically the, uh, on purpose. There's also, I want to add that Rashi holds that Karet is also, it could also mean losing, you know, dying without any children, which means as in if you had children, the children dying. Uh, so, so you, you won't leave any, um, what is it called? Pragni, uh, whatever, uh, uh, you know, your name. Uh, Rashi. Oh, okay. If you want to give you the source, I think it's in, uh, in, uh, Vayikras, uh, chapter 17, verse 9. So, the, 
what are the sins? This is why I, I wanted to get up to. What are the 30, there are 36 sins that it says in the Mishnah in, uh, uh, in Kitut, but there is also, there's different things that, that maybe we'll read also from, um, Shalei Tshuva, which speaks about the different sins. So maybe we'll see if we have time, we'll try to get all of it. So, the, the first 16, the first 15 or first 16, the first 15 sins out of the 36 are all sexual sins. Which comes to show you the severity of how, how the Torah, um, looks at sexuality or sexual sins. The, um, there's a reason why, you know, when Bilam tried to curse the Jews, he realized he couldn't curse them. So what did he do? He says, let me get them to sin sexually. Let me go and let them, let me go and, and send them all these women so that they would sin. Because once, if they sin sexually, we know that they're done. That they are, you know, God is gonna, you know, it says, Hashem Sonezima. God is going to be very upset with them. God is going to be, and God is going to punish them. And that's what happened. He got them to sin sexually, and because of that, he went and uh, and and there was a big magifa, uh, and, and we had a lot of uh, uh, a lot of deaths in the in the in the Jewish camps. So number one is somebody who has sexual intercourse with one's mother. Obviously, we're talking about from the man's side now. Number two is somebody who has sexual intercourse with one's father's wife. So it could be his stepmother, right? Okay. Second, the third one is someone who has sexual intercourse with his daughter-in-law, so his son's wife. The fourth one is somebody who has uh, one man has uh, relations with another man. So any any gay uh, acts. Now this doesn't matter. A lot of people think, well, if this person was born this way, so it's not as bad as somebody else wasn't born this way. The Torah doesn't say, well, you know. All right, for you, it's a little bit easier. It's, it's straight across the board. It's, it's, it's black and white when it comes to this. This is not allowed. That's it. Finished. It's not allowed. There's no if, what's with. Uh, I'd be surprised, you know, the, you have in, in the Reform and the Conservative, they have gay rabbis, which, which I don't know how they played a twist on that, how they actually, you know, some things people are able to turn. Some things are very hard for me to understand how the, the, the thought process went and be like, yes, this is okay. Not only okay, like, hey, you'll become the rabbi, you'll read the, lead the congregation with something that a god says that he hates. It's an abomination. But you're going to be the rabbi and you can marry men with men and woman with woman and man to dog and whatever, you know, horse to whatever. So, yeah, well, I think, yeah, that's true also. There is, there, there is also, you know, uh, let's move on. The, the, number five. Number five is some, a man who has relations with an animal. Right? A bestiality. Any relations with an animal. Number six is a female having relations with an animal. Same idea, just on the, on the, on the female. Number seven is having relations with a, a mother and a daughter within a span of a lifetime. And number eight is the one I want to speak about. Someone who has relations with a married woman. Yeah, so obviously this is adultery. However, this is such a problem nowadays. Not, I'm not even talking about people that actually cheat. That's obviously a, p- a big problem. But I'm talking about people, you have the people in the secular world. So they get, they want to get married, you know, the kosher way. So they have a rabbi and, and, you know, he officiates the entire wedding. Everything is good. And then a few years down the line, they want to get divorced. Now what happens is when they want to get divorced, they first start with separation. And who knows, the divorce process could take years. Now these people, if you're in a secular world, you're not waiting to, for the, you're separated, so you think I'm, I'm okay. I'm, it's not cheating if I'm, you know. So the husband goes and he gets a girlfriend. The wife goes and she gets a boyfriend. But it's okay, it's not adultery because they're not officially married because they're separated. As long as they didn't get a get, they didn't get a, a bill of divorce, that's still, that's still adultery. And you realize how many people, when I realized when someone spoke to me that he's, he's been separated from his wife for, for quite some time and he still didn't give a divorce, I'm like, what are you waiting for? You know, who knows if she's living with somebody else? It's a very serious. It's a very besides the fact that it's a serious sin as it is, but this is even more. It's adultery. So somebody who commits adultery is is under the category of karet, getting cut off. Yeah. Question. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. The one before seven, you said relations with a mother and daughter in the same lifetime. You mean like separately? Yeah. Like if if a guy is married to someone, she dies, and then he. Yeah. Obviously together. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. There is, uh, there's also something interesting that if, let's say you have somebody, you know what a mamzel is? Mm-hmm. No, so, uh, yeah. So somebody who, somebody who's, uh, married, and she cheats, a woman cheats on her husband, and from that relation, they have a baby. That baby is classified as a mamzel. Now that baby has a very, very serious problem because that baby cannot now go marry anybody else. He has to go, or she has to go, and only can marry somebody like that, her same situation. So, the obvious questions that people ask would be like, what, what did this baby do? This poor baby. You know, what, do you, what did this person do? This guy, he was born liking men. What do you want him to do? 
people think, you know, it's not their fault. And there's nothing to be further from the truth. God is so exact and every single thing that happens in a person's lifetime happens for a reason. If a person was born to a certain way, you know, or a girl was born a certain way, there's a reason for that. Not because God's saying, yeah, yeah, go, 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 be this way. No, we're not animals. Animals follow their instincts. How do you know what if animal is listening to God? It goes by its instincts. That's how what God wants to do, go by its instinct. For that's why I won't recommend having a pet tiger. There's like one guy in the in the in the city in Bronx or whatever it was years ago that he had a pet uh, tiger in his bathtub in an apartment building. Nonetheless, I don't even know how that was even possible. But um, I think eventually the tiger ate him. He was like, "Oh, it was my best friend, and selfie, you know." And then yeah, and this guy was one guy one time his lunch, and people have snakes. People like, you know, whatever. <laughs> so these animals, you think, okay, you know, you get a close relationship to the dog and the dog loves you. Yes, dogs are very loyal creatures. But it doesn't mean that they're not going to go and bite. Who knows what, it, you know, I, I had a, you know, a relative in Israel. He had a dog and the dog was such a friendly dog. And then something went crazy with it or some chemical imbalance and he bit somebody. He bit somebody It was very serious. And so you never know. You never know. You, people waste the time with... Anyways, all right. I don't know how I got to animals. Next thing, oh, this is something very important, actually. It's something that I heard, I, I thought it was unbelievable. The Chidah says this. I didn't see it inside, but I heard it from somebody. And he says that many people think that God gave you the life that you meant to live. But it's not like that. You chose your life. You're the one that chose how much money you're going to make, how are you going to look, are you going to be heavy, are you going to be skinny, are you going to be tall, are you going to be short, are you going to be rich, are you going to be poor? Everything you, you decided. So it doesn't make any sense. Then you think, well, you know, I'll be, you know, the best looking, I'll be the richest, I'll be this. Why did I pick this life? And the answer is, is that the, the, when you look at somebody, let's say for example, someone's a, a commando, right? He's a special ops, uh, I speak a lot to men, obviously, you see. <laughs> so I, don't, I can't even figure out how to change this into a woman thing, so just bear with me. He is a, a, a special ops, uh, um, you know, whatever, in the, in the elite forces in the CIA. And he is going onto a secret mission. And this mission is a very, very quick mission. He has to get in and out very stealth, you know, very quickly, very, and the whole job has to take less than five minutes. The CIA rolls out, brings them to their warehouse and say, all the machines, all the most advanced equipments and, and anything that you need, grenade launcher, you know, surface to ear missiles, anything you want, you could take. But this guy is only going to take what he needs. He's not going to start carrying, you know, ballistic missiles with him. So, you know, on, on a, you know, bringing trucks in for something that he has to do for five minutes. He's going to take only what he needs a silencer. He needs a knife. He needs a, you know, the gun and he needs what he needs a rope. He'll only take exactly what he needs to fill his mission. Cause why should he start, you know, carrying things that he doesn't, he doesn't need to. He's going to start carrying a grenade launcher to, for something that he needs to do something, you know, without that. Obviously not. Everybody has a mission when they come into this world. You know, before you come into this world, what you need to accomplish. So you say, okay, I only want what I need to do. I need to, I need this amount of money. I need to have this type of looks. I need to marry this type of person. You know, everything has to work out to, for you to pick your own mission. So people usually complain, oh man, why would God give me this life? God, you gave yourself this life. You get, I, I found this chidush was like mind-blowing. Your mission is based on the fact of what it usually, if, if let's say specifically you're talking about a reincarnation case, which most likely according to Rizal, everybody is a reincarnation case, so it's something that you messed up in the, in the previous world, or you didn't do in the previous world, or the mitzvah, or you, you know, so it's based on that, you know what you have to accomplish, so you, you, you know, you fill out the form, be like, okay, I know what I need, and this is what I need, this is, cause over there there's no, there's no evil inclination, over here there's evil inclination, be like, yeah, I want ten billion dollars, annually, after taxes. Without anybody taking away any money, you know, and it goes on and on and on. But over there, it's it's not uh, it, it's not like what you want. You take what you need because you know the you know you know the the severity of this. exactly. You take what the tools that you need. That's why there are some people you know that, that here's a good example for women. Some women will say, "Listen, don't make me have a test of modesty. It's too hard. I don't want it. I know that I'm going to fail. I know that. Don't give me this type of test." And they'll, and they'll sign off and say, and they'll say, God, please don't. Please don't do it, because I know it's gonna be too hard for me. Some people, they'll say the man are against money, or the man against, uh, uh, sexual temptations, right? There are certain men that are like, uh, you know, like addicted like a drug onto certain, you know, temptations, and they chase afterwards, after it, like an addict. I mean, they actually have, uh, whatever, they, you know, they have, uh, meetings, you know, on the bottom of churches for these types of things. <laughs> so, forever follows my, uh, drift. Okay, so now, the, uh, this, I thought this was an amazing, amazing chidush by the chidah. I think it's amazing and it makes you feel better about, you know, there's a reason for what you live in your life. Why you, why you, you're in a certain family, why you're in a certain neighborhood, why you have certain friends, why you look a certain way, why you are a certain way, why you have a certain amount of money and why you're not married yet or why you are married and why you're not happily married. Everything comes into exactly for, for a specific reason. Number, we're up to number nine. Number nine is somebody who has, I know we're still on, on the, the, um, relations, uh, 
tab, I guess you could say. Someone who has relations with one's sister. Someone who has relations with one's, and where I'm going uh, next, one's father's sister, so it's an aunt, or one's mother's sister, so aunt from the other side. Or what, the sister of one's wife. So sister-in-law. The, or a sister-in-law from the brother's side, a brother's, uh, a brother's wife. The next is somebody who has a relationship, uh, relations with the wife of one's father's brother. So it's basically, they're renaming all the aunts, uh, that, that are a possibility. And obviously we're talking about it over here from a man's perspective, but if it's the, it, this karet goes to both ends. So it's, it's, if it's the woman, so you just reverse it. You follow what I'm saying, right? Make sense? Okay. Can I ask you a question? Yes. So, um, I know, like, that hundreds of years ago, even fairly, even more recent, uh, let's say, uh, oh, woman died and she was married to a guy and the guy would marry her sister so yeah it's it's it it, that's that's a mitzvah I thought it was just for the there's a you boom no it's not if the brother dies yeah if the brother dies right what what did you say if his sister dies he's married her sister no, so so what happens is yeah, so you're right. So it's, if it's it's in the it's in the man side. So there's a, there's a it, nowadays there's also if let's say there's a, a man married a woman, and he didn't have any children. This is only specifically if they didn't have any children. If they have children doesn't uh, if they didn't have any children. So then they go and the brother died. So now the, the if there's a single brother, he goes and he if he if he's willing to, he marries the sister, and then he has a uh, you know and then when he has a child, it's sort of in memory of his brother's. Uh, this is also one of the proofs where you learn reincarnation from the Torah, from this, from this, from this thing, because it's 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 in memory of the brother, which means it brings the brother back, and you know there's some you know name after the brother, and there's different types of uh, of things. There. So it's a mitzvah, and, and if they don't want to, if let's say the brother or the or this or you know his his wife, or the the widow doesn't want to marry, they have to do a, a thing with chalitza, which you know they spit in a shoe, and there's a whole. Uh, Okay, so there is, uh, oh, the next one. The next one, probably one of the most important ones, is somebody who has relations, sexual intercourse, with a, with a woman who is a nida. Someone who is a, a, a nida generally is menstruating, right? A woman's on her period, she is considered impure. Now, there is, uh, uh, the, the, it's not just so simple just when she's menstruating. It's also, any time before she's married, she's on the classification of a nida. So somebody who has premarital sex can't, counts as, as having relations with a nida. Once you're married and you go to the mikvah, then you're not already classified as a nida. So, sorry, uh, let's say a w- married woman who, um, w- okay, so after her... Thank you. After her cycle, she has to count a certain amount of days. Yeah, so that thank she, you. She will be pure. So, let's say she miscounted and she was with her husband. Is that considered... Shogeg. So that's a shogeg. That's why you have to be very careful. It's a very... It's okay. The woman has a big responsibility because it's all in her hand. Right. They have certain calendars now. There's apps. Mm-hmm. For these things. So, okay, so if it yeah. was Bemezid, <laughs> it's funny, but it's, it's very good. <laughs> right? It helps you count. I don't know. If it was Bemezid, and she was with her husband, not when she, not when she's menstruating, but um, let's nida. say five days after. Yeah, that's nida. nida, nida. Okay. As long as yeah, it's whether married or not married, before the mikvah is a nida. That this is why I remember one time I was I was I was eating with my wife, and there were two tables down was was two friends talking. And I'm not the type to eavesdrop. I don't want to know anything because it's probably going to frustrate me somehow. So, you know, I didn't want... But there are certain people, and especially from certain parts of... They speak very loud, right? The whole restaurant, they hear, you know, there's a certain accent. They speak very, very loud, right? And then it's like they're making a speech to their friend for everybody to hear. And uh, a certain woman said, weren't even sitting next to me. I was sitting over here. They were sitting... There was, a, there was a people... And they were sitting... And there was a woman that was getting married, and she was speaking to her friend. And she was saying how... How I'm not, oh, mikvah, there's one thing I'm never gonna do is go to the mikvah. And she kept on speaking again and again, uh, you know, against it. She's like, it's the stupidest thing, what do I need to go into water? Never doing it. And, you know, my wife sees me, she's like, she's like, don't. <laughs> she already says don't. And I'm like, I, I need to, you know, I, I had, so, so she's like, she's like, it's not your place, don't say anything. Don't, don't say anything. I, it's a good thing that I have her. First of all, it really isn't my place. You're not supposed to, doesn't necessarily mean to, you know, start giving lectures to people on the street, you know, uh, that, that doesn't really work that way. Uh, Israel, some communities will try it by throwing rocks at people that drive on Shabbat. I don't think that was successful yet. I don't think a rock came out of a car while someone was driving Shabbat would be like, well, oh, I didn't have no, no driving on Shabbat. Oh, now, thank you for the rock in the window. You're not allowed to do that. But the, the, so, so I was, I was really tempted. I'm like, what I was, I, thank God I didn't say anything, right? I, I think that was the right thing. My wife was right for, for holding me back. But, uh, you know, what's so hard of, 
the, you know how nice the, the mikvot are in over here in, uh, in in Brooklyn anywhere that they're 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 like spas. You have your own. It's like you know marble. It's like crazy crazy fancy. They make it that way so women should want to come and it shouldn't be like oh you know I can't believe I go. It's like it's literally like a five star hotel that you go into it. And the water is clean. Everything is is beautiful, spotless, amazing. What do you? You're gonna give up your whole lot, your whole eternal reward for what? Because you don't, you, you don't want to dunk in the water. You go to the Bahamas and you go into the ocean without a problem. But to go into a mikvah, for God, no, I'm not gonna do it. What, what the idiotic thing? People mess up. People sin very stupid, right? There are certain sins that you never, never do. Every sin you shouldn't do. But you know, you gotta be smart. You gotta don't take a you know. There's somebody who wants to have a good time, so he has a small pill or he has a few lines of cocaine and or or heroin. Don't do anything. But if somebody is, for whatever reason, doing something, don't be idiotic and start shooting yourself up with heroin or, you know, to having a, to having a good time. There's levels to things. So obviously we can't say, oh, you're not allowed to do, you're not, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to rate them. But the certain things over here, Karat, we'll see there's severe things, like nobody wants to do it. Why would you, why would you put yourself into it? Uh, being already speaking on this, uh, uh, there was, uh, from men I get the craziest, cre- the ideology, just crazy. Just, just let's leave it at just completely crazy people. They come to me, and uh, they first of all, this is not so crazy. So a, a couple comes engaged, right? Says, "Why? Why can't we touch? Why can't we? You know, why can't we go hold hands together, right?" And why? Let's. What's the big deal? You know, we're not going to do anything else. Uh, the rule is, and I, I really have a class about um, about t- what's wrong with touching other the other the other gender. But uh, you know, the, a guy's walking in the street, and he sees a good-looking girl on the other side. The guy is the one thing the guy is not going to be able to like. Oh boy, sure, I want to hold her hand. Oh, I'm going to hold her hand. Yeah, nobody thinks like that. There's no such thing as, oh, just holding hands. There's no such thing. It always goes to another level. So they, people ask me, okay, we're engaged already. We're getting married. Why can't we, why, why, you know what? Let's, let's do whatever we, we want to. We're practically married already. And the answer is no, you're not. Until you put a ring on that finger and she goes to the mikvah, you're not considered, you know, you're not allowed to do anything. There is a, you know what's even crazier is, is people, people ask me, says, are we allowed to have relations with non-Jews? And I, at first I thought they were joking. Is that part of Karet? It's it it's different. It's different. No, so so we're here. We're talking about Anida specifically uh, for for a Jew. So yeah, kabbalistically, it's much worse. So the, the it's an interesting question. What's worse? Because I had this question before. It's a very different. It's a whole completely different topic. What, I'll give you the question, but I won't give you the answer yet. So the the question is: Is what's if you're already doing a sin? Is it worse to sleep with a woman that's Jewish, both not married, or with a non-Jew? I'm not going to give you an answer. First of all, you're not allowed to do any of them. That's just an obvious one. So uh, going back to what we were speaking about before, so there, there are people that come over to me and they say, and they legitimately ask, is it okay to, to sleep with a non-Jew? And at first I think they're joking because, uh, you know, I, I, and, then I, and then I'm like, oh, you're serious. And I'm like, no, like, where do you even come from? And then they come up with the most idiotic reason. They'll be like, uh, well, we got to practice. And I'm like, practice for what? And they're like, well, we're going to get married soon. I'm like, this is not a sport that you have to, this is not a, something that you're practicing for. What do you mean practice? I, imagine some guy is married and he says, okay, honey, I'm going out. Where are you going? I'm going to practice. What are you going to practice? We're doing it for you. Okay? <laughs> you sit down and be quiet. I'm doing it for you. What, what woman will be like, okay, go, go practice. I'll be happy. Nobody wants it. If anything, it's something that you don't want with anybody with experience. Who wants somebody with plenty of experience? So, so people are idiotic, idiotic. Why do they do certain sins? Because they rationalize. They convince themselves that it's not so bad. It's not so bad. What's a, you know, and they start all of a sudden, they become big Talmidei Chachamim. Really, this is not so bad because da 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 no, They bring up all the Gemara that they possibly ever learned, twist everything that they ever learned, and make them sound not so bad. So that not only are they sinning, they feel like it's not even so bad, so they don't even do tshuva. It's a double, uh, a double negative of, uh, of, uh, of trying to rationalize. So the, the, the general rule is also, let's say somebody, being that we're speaking about mikvah, there is, uh, mikvah, there's some, if some, if let's say a woman is, is, you know, after she finished her menstruating and she, she, um, she finished everything, so all she has to do is go to the mikvah one time. One time and that's it, she's done for, till the end of, uh, till the grave, uh, you know, swallows her in. She's good. She doesn't need to. She doesn't need to do anything else, and it's not. It's never a sin. So you imagine people that are are past that age. Every time, all they need to do was just one time go to the mikvah, and every time that they do it, they keep like they're getting another sin, another sin, another sin. For what? For for you know, taking a little splash in a little nice pool. It, you know, it, it's ridiculous. So that is the conclusion of the the sexual sense. Now I want to go to yes. Uh, 
restaurant? No, I didn't say anything to her. <laughs> My wife, she was like, she's like yeah, whatever. <laughs> she's like, don't, don't say anything. Okay. I'm like, fine, I won't say anything. You know, and she's right, really, because because I, I, you know, there's there's a whole idea. When when do you have to rebuke somebody? means you have to rebuke your friend. Not you go with somebody who's driving the road and you have, you know, it's not your responsibility. If you're friends with them and you know them, then you have an obligation to actually tell them, you know, you're doing something completely wrong. If, if you, if you, let's say you can't, if you can't say that. Not only that, there's a very serious sin. If you have the ability to tell somebody not to sin and you don't, you get that punishment for that sin. You get that punishment for that sin. Now, this is, of course, somebody you have a close friend who's doing certain sin. You're re- required to, to say something. And if you can't say something, you, give, you find the rabbi that does. There's so many CDs, links, that you could just forward a link. Hey, listen to this class. I think it's pretty good. And you're done. You're good. You're, you're, you're clean from that. Because uh, uh, you feel like you, know, you don't want to mess up this relationship. You, whatever it is, there's so many ways out of it that you could do. What if the rabbis don't even want to try with this, like, like this person? Find a new rabbi. <laughs> no, I... What, what if you know, it's a person that's, like... Very strongly against. So there's something. There's some people that. So there's there's really. So it's a whole. It's a whole discussion and how to how to understand it. Because just like you're supposed to say something that a per, you're also not allowed to say something that you know a person's not going to listen to. But there's a very wide and people use that for uh, you know completely. Yeah, to, exactly. So you have to understand. Maybe one day we'll 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 speak about that in length. And when uh, you require to rebuke, how do you rebuke? How do you tell somebody they're doing something wrong? And how, all those uh, I think it's very important. So maybe we'll we'll do we'll put that on the list. Bizarre uh, So now the moving. On to the non-sexual sense. Number 16. Uh, some of these things, by the way, are going to be things of the, on the, on the Mishkan. Yes. Um, so, I used to think that if a man like, is cheating or something, he's just going to the Mishkan and he's fine. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. He thinks he's fine. He's not. He's not but, fine. Yeah. He has a lot more than that. Uh, it's, mikvah is, is uh, it's, it's, it's like an extra, Thing. It's not even halachic. You know, a woman has an halacha to go to the mikvah. A man doesn't. It does help. They never, they never do it. No, some men, some men, some men do it on a on a weekly basis. Some men do it on a daily basis. Some men do it only before Shana Yom Kippur. Uh, some men don't do it. Some men don't do it. It gets them because men mikvah and women mikvah is very different. They don't have to do it before the wedding. No, they don't have to do it before the wedding. A woman is required to halachically. <laughs> it's it's you know it's and you're, it's it's not even it's not like something hard. It's just like you're going you're going to a spa for a few for like what is it you know it doesn't take you that long either, and, and it's uh, um, it's really not something that's a difficult thing to do. It's just you know every whatever every month and when the time comes is you know you're required he doesn't have to. Some people do some people do it's an extra an extra to to uh, to do it. So. The the next ones so we're gonna, where some of them are speaking about the Mishkan and the Bet Hamikdash. So being that there's so many, I'm just gonna I'll say it, but we'll we'll skim through it, right? So we won't focus on time explaining it. So if you don't understand any of those, those are anyways not applicable today. The ones that are applicable today, I'll I'll use more explanation on it. Number sixteen is cursing God, right? You specifically usually the word of uh, known as Megadeth, but uh, you know obviously you're not allowed to curse God. And uh, also the questions of what type of curses and how curses. That's number 16. Number 17 is worshipping any other god other than God. So basically, Avodah Zarah. Uh, this could be, you know, according to some people, according to many people, you know, Christianity is Avodah Zarah. Somebody who converts to Christianity uh, is, you know, in, in, in this category, if, if we go according to the people that say Christianity is Avodah Zarah. Can you show your disrespect to, to, to other religions? What, what do you mean? Of course you're not. You don't have to join them. It's not showing disrespect. If you don't join their... No, 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 yeah, I understand. But what if you really show disrespect? If you see, let's say, the Christ on the street and you stop... Uh-huh. You know, you know it reminds me once that... Uh, because I saw one guy doing it, and I was like... You don't have to do it, yeah, you don't have to... He said, once I did it, and I told to my rabbi, and he, he was so happy I did it. You, you, there, is an, there is a law... Benazi said that you have to abolish all all Dazarat, but we don't, you know... I want to go say and start, you know, arsoning, you know, all the the places over there. You're, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that at this day and age. However, it is, you know, Avodah Zarah is an abomination to God. You're supposed to get rid of it. I'll give you an example. There was one time um, uh, I was I was uh, I was uh, living I was uh, a while ago. Now where I live now, so there was uh, there was a few apartments together, and there was a, I heard I was in I was in my house. It was the middle of the day, and I hear ringing the bell. So I come to answer it, and I and nobody's there. And I look down, they leave a little package, and the package was to some guy who was basically trying to convince Jews to not be to go into Christianity. So it's Jews for JC or something along those lines. So I um, so I see this right away, and then I look around and I see that this person went and he dropped this package only where he saw Mizuzot, only where he saw Mizuzot. 
he, he, uh, he took it. So I went and I collected it very nicely and I put it very nicely down the chute, down the garbage, uh, chute. Cause, uh, you know, you're not, you have a responsibility. Somebody's going and, and dropping this heretic stuff. You go and you destroy it. There's somebody else that I know that he got this. He did something else with it. He, uh, um, he destroyed it in a very, let's just say in a, uh, derogatory way. I don't wanna, to, especially in front of the camera, use your imagination. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't, uh, to, but, but yeah, so you are supposed to do it, but don't go start, you know, staying, you know, scraping a hammer across the floor and the thing and start, you know, seeing every quarrel and, you, you know, you go on a, on a frantic spree because you will get arrested. <laughs> and, uh, you'll probably sit some time in prison. Yeah, the question is, are you allowed to destroy it? I believe so. You're allowed to throw it out. I believe so. Um, but I can follow up with that. So, yeah, they, you, they, those type of things you have to, uh, cause they pervert it. It's not, it's not the, the does that have two shots? Do you have to rip it out? Things like that. I believe you could throw it out, but I have to, I have to, uh, uh, follow up with that. Okay, number, where are we up to? Number 18. Number 18 is sacrificing a child to Molech. Molech is, is, as far as I know, is not, is an ancient idol worship. They had a very, very twisted, twisted ideology. The way that they used to do is, is uh, this idol, it was like a, it was like a, some sort of animal, and the animal was built that it was hollow. And while the animal's hollow had human hands that were outstretched. Now what they used to do is that they used to light fires inside the hollow part and the, and the hands would get really, really hot. And this is where they would sacrifice, uh, things on it. So somebody, they, it, it, now it sounds crazy, but back in the day, they used to sacrifice children. Children to this, to this, uh, to this, uh, Moloch. Now this, this specific idol had, had a bunch of, uh, levels to it. Call it levels. It says if you sacrifice, let's say, an animal, you get to go level one. If you sacrifice a, you know, a bird, whatever, you know, everyone, everything gets a, a, the more serious of a sacrifice, the closer you get to the actual idol. How do you get to the closest chamber is only if you sacrifice your child. If you sacrifice your child, you're able to go in. So they used to go and they used to sacrifice, they used to light it up and the child used to burn itself on this, on this, uh, uh, you know, on this hands. Now how did, the, what they used to do is they used to play drums and sing music and do chants so that it would die out the screaming of the child. Now some people go to Hawaii or all these like crazy places and they go to the festivals of the nights and you hear all these people with fire and they're doing these crazy drums and they're doing all these cra- You don't know, that could be very, very sourced in, in idol worship. And you're like, whoa, good show. Yeah, this is all source. Now, obviously, they're not throwing humans inside the fire, but this is where it's the. I, I'm not going to answer that. I don't know. I, I'm saying it's possible that it's uh, that it's uh, depends. Also, if, if let's say you're with your husband, you're on a honeymoon in, in Hawaii, and then and you know, usually the women are not so modestly dressed in those types of activities. So then, the, for that reason itself, you're not, you're not allowed to. But if I want to throw a Hawaiian themed tiki party, like, can I do that? <laughs> or is that? Oh no, no, no. That's yeah. That's I, I'm, I'm. What do you have? Like coconuts with umbrellas or something no, like that? What if we get like? Fire breather people, whatever. I'm not familiar with the, the process of having a, a I, I don't know what is it, a tiki party? It, but I'm saying like just like the, the I mean, as long as yeah yeah that goes so, along with that. Right right right. I'm just I'm just using it. I don't know if that's I I don't know it's I don't know its origin. But I'm just uh, using that as an example. That's possibly you have in the African tribes also used to do these uh, the many many crazy crazy stuff. Okay, next is. Next thing, number 19, is consulting with a spirit through the process of oev. This, uh, I believe, is, is you could translate to like seance. It's, it's, oev. It's, it's communicating with the dead. You're not allowed to communicate with the dead. Uh, there are many people, unfortunately, that do communicate with the seance, uh, Ouija boards, all those types of things. Especially, unfortunately, I don't know if it is, it used to be very common in Israeli soldiers. They used to go and they used to, um, you know, they had 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds, that they have friends that passed away. It'd be like, you know, and then someone says, hey, you want to speak to your buddy that passed away? Be like, that's possible? So he's like, yeah, yeah, you want to, you know, yeah, yeah, come. And they have, they have all these, you know, candles and they have all these things and they unfortunately do it. Many people don't know what they're doing, but there is a science behind it. And there is, uh, there is, so you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to, uh, um, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to have any contact. There is a possibility to speak with There is, there is, yeah. There's a guy in Israel, uh, I, I, truth is, I have to find it. He only speaks in Hebrew. He was very heavily involved with it. He became a Balchavai, he doesn't do it anymore, but he was a very, very big disbeliever in it. And uh, they came over to him once and said, "Hey, you want to do? We're going to go to do a séance." And they close all the lights, so like candles, and they do a bunch of uh, spooky things. So he's like, eh, "I don't believe in this stuff." So I was like, "All right, let's try it." So he says, "Fine, you know, try it." So he goes into the room and he tests it. They they call upon a spirit. The spirit comes in and he says, "I don't believe in it, but you know what? Let me test it." This is talking about before their cell phones, before anything like that. And he says, uh, he was, he, I think he was about 100 or 200 miles away from his home. And he tells the spirit, he, the, the spirit comes in and he says, tells the spirit, okay, tell me what my mother is doing right now, what my brother is doing right now, what my father is doing right now. So the spirit says, okay, it's, it's like pauses for, for like a moment. And then it comes back and says, your mother's on the telephone, your father's doing this and your brothers are watching sports on TV. 
And he's like, all right. He runs into the other room. He gets the, the, he gets on the phone. No cell phones. He gets on the phone. He calls to his house. Line is busy. He's like, all right. You know, coincidence. Finally, he keeps on calling, calling, calling. His mother hangs up and he answers. Her mother answers. And he says, uh, who was just on the phone before? And she says, I was. What's going on? And he says, uh, listen, uh, what's, what's dad doing right now? And he says, what dad's doing? He says, what, what's, you know, his, his brother's doing right now? They're watching the football game on the, uh, you know, the soccer game on the, uh, you know, on the, on the television. You know, 100 miles away, knew exactly what the other family was doing. So then this guy became addicted to it. But this person became so addicted to it that, you know, he got harmed from it. He used to come home and there was wallpaper used to be like, there was like crazy stuff happening in his house. And until he, he had to like completely, so the Torah says don't do it, there's a reason why not to do it. Besides all the facts that the danger involved in it, um, it's also a very big serious sin, it's cut. Do you remember his name? No, no, I have to, I have to find it because I was also looking for it at one point. He has a whole, whole long, he, he explains his journey of what, it was a very interesting class, I heard it once, a long time ago. The next thing, number 20, is violating Shabbat. Not keeping Shabbat is the Chiyuv of Karat. So, this is something that, that, you know, you have to understand. Somebody that goes, and Karatwi says that not only is it such a serious sin, you bring suffering in this world. One of the things of Karat is suffering in this world. Even if you do Shabbat, you get suffering in this world. Who in the right mind will be like, okay, let me text on, on Shabbat, okay, whatever, you know, I'll keep Shabbat next week. And, they're just bringing suffering upon themselves. Imagine somebody has to go, unfortunately, to the emergency room. About himself or about someone? I mean, about the whole world. No, 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 himself. On the, on the own person. Imagine somebody goes and he is, uh, um, you know, he decides that uh, he's, he's not keeping a Shabbat. Right? And he doesn't keep two, three Shabbatot. And then a few weeks go by and he has this crazy emergency. You know, he has a crazy scare. He's in the emergency room for 24 hours. He's not sleeping. And he gets admitted. He, he goes into tremendous suffering just along the psychological pain. And after he finishes, finally gets discharged, and everything was okay, and he gets sent home. After he comes up to heaven, he says, God, what was up with that? Why did you? And he says, oh, that, that whole scare? Three Shabbatot you didn't keep. He says, oh, gonna, this is your suffering. Who in the right mind will be like, all right, let me use my phone on Shabbat, and we'll, we'll deal with it later. You're bringing suffering upon yourself. You're, you're flipping a light switch on Shabbat. You're bringing suffering upon... Nobody in the right mind wants to do it. A lot of people think, okay, in the next world, I'll deal with it. I'm talking about over here. Karat is in this world. You get punished in this world for it. Who, you know, we, uh, the, the, when we're thinking about how to name this, this topic, we're going to say bad luck. People are very nervous about bad luck. Bad luck is like, oh, bad omen. Uh, you know, clean the table, do this, spit some soul, do that, all these crazy things. You want to know what's bad luck? Not keeping Shabbat. It's going to bring you a lot of suffering, a lot of, a lot of serious issues that people don't understand. And people go and they, and they think that, okay, next week I'll keep Shabbat. Next week I'll keep Shabbat. Next week, next week, next week. Every single Shabbat they don't keep, they're bringing upon themselves extra suffering. Who knows how much time now you don't have to, and I'm not saying don't mis, misquote me that, uh, you know, what the following thing that I'm going to say. It doesn't mean that, you know, that somebody's not getting married yet. 20, 25, 30, not getting married yet. It says, what's going on over here? And they don't realize, okay, maybe it's this, maybe this. And you're, you don't keep Shabbat. You're doing other certain sins that bring suffering upon it. Of course, what you think, you know, start keeping Shabbat. Stop doing these things. And now don't, and I'm saying very carefully, don't misquote. They're going to be like, a, they're going to clip this part out. They're going to say, I, I don't mean that if you don't keep Shabbat, you're not getting married. But I'm saying, you don't know. You don't know what the, what the likelihood is. These things bring suffering to a person. There's nobody in their right mind would, would willingly bring suffering upon themselves. And most of the time, when I mean most of the time, I mean 99.999% of the time, they could have kept Shabbat. It would have been a little bit difficult, yes. But it wouldn't be worth it. Had they realized what suffering they would have to go on later in life, they would never do it. Are you kidding me? Why would I bring suffering upon myself for the stupid thing, for watching TV, for turning on the air conditioner, for, for the amount of suffering that it brings? It's not worth it. Number, yeah. Okay, so most of the things that we already mentioned are like a one-time thing, right? But Chilu Shabbat, so first and foremost, like Shabbat is every week. And there are so many laws that go into keeping Shabbat. So, like, let's say, let's say things that we had beforehand in, intercourse with like a, a forbidden person. If you don't do it, it, then you're good. Right. But Shabbat, there's so many, so many details and levels of keeping Shabbat. So, like, like, what is, what are the key parts of it that keep you safe from karet? To keep, so, so keeping Shabbat, yeah. Keeping Shabbat, first of all, is keeping Shabbat in its entirety. There's no leeway in like, there's 39 Av Melachot of Shabbat, you now do any of them. Uh, you're not, keeping Shabbat is keeping Shabbat. There's no, you know, like, well, this is a little bit, I'm talking about specifically breaking Shabbat. Using a cell phone, completely breaking Shabbat. Turning on a light, compl- driving a car, breaking Shabbat 10 million times. Every time you drive your engine, you're, you're burning more gas, and it's, a, there's so many, light, smoking a cigarette. Smoking a cigarette on Shabbat is not breaking it once, it's breaking it every time. 
it, this is what people get very mis, mis the, the, people completely misunderstand Shabbat. People think, all right, if I broke it already, I messed it up, so I'll, I'll start next week. Like you broke it, so then you start again. It's like every time you break it is another. It's a, it, you're adding something else. It's not like a one package deal. You so you broke it, all right, start next week, it's okay. No, every single break is an is another karat. There's another. So let's say, like, just putting putting on hand lotion, that's considered this just as bad as smoking a cigarette, no? So, so the, yeah, so then you're going, so then, so then you're going in particular. All these things, all the melachot, like, uh, obviously, like. The, first of all, I'm, what I'm talking about here is bemezid, bemezid. You know, you're not allowed to do it, and you do it. Right, but let, let's say people are starting to keep Shabbat. Like, it, there are a lot of laws, so like. If they're trying they're and they're really going in the right direction, so then the, that's fine. That's good. Are they going to, they're not going to get, you know, somebody that's just started keeping Shabbat, the first time that he heard about it, and he didn't know that, uh, you know, you're not allowed to, uh, who? Tie you're allowed to tie, you're not allowed to make a double knot. Let's say you're not allowed to make a double knot. He, he knew that you're not allowed to, he didn't know that you're not allowed to, uh, you know, rip a paper that has letters. Because when you're ripping a, you know, if you have, he didn't know you're not allowed to erase, mochek. And he did, that does not, you know, it's not considered as he, like, broke technically, he broke Shabbat, but it was bishogeg. It's not, we're talking about over here, Bemezid. Okay, so now the um, let's uh, let's move uh, let's move on because it's getting late. The where are we up to number twenty one. So number twenty one is, and then we're going to go through a few things in Mishkan. So please bear with me. I'm just going to zip through it. Is eating of eating eating an offering while in state of impurity in state of tumah. Number twenty two is entering the temple while also in a state of impurity in state of tumah. Number twenty three is eating a form of a, a fat of an animal known as chalev. Certain parts of the animal you're not allowed to eat. Eating those parts is also a violation of chalet. Number 24 is eating or drinking blood. You're not allowed to, well, it's really drinking. You're not allowed to drink blood. Uh, there is, uh, there's also this, uh, I, I can't believe that this is true, but, but, uh, you know, so there's some people that have these weird, uh, um, ask Jeeves, ask Yahoo, weird people that ask questions. So there's one time that someone sent me like a picture of this question. I really hope that it wasn't true, but I have to, I don't think I've shared it with you. There was, uh, um, it's like something that stuck with me. Who knows how many years ago I've seen it, but I, I remember it like I, I could see it. That's how disturbing it was. There was a woman who writes a question and she says, how, man, how much blood do I have to drink until I become a vampire? Because I've been drinking about it for months already and I still haven't seen any change. <laughs> and the first thing that I said was, and people say, what's wrong with TV? You know? So, but, the question, the question just gets a little bit more twisted. And then, she says, and I've been, you know, I've been trying to turn my boyfriend into a vampire, so I've been feeding him blood also for about a month or two uh, when he doesn't notice it. So, this was very odd. And then somebody asked, and be like, you know, where are you getting this blood from? So, I don't want to, to, you know, she, she says something on the topic that we were speaking about before. Every month, she saves blood. And she makes special popsicles for her boyfriend. And without her knowing, she's basically feeding blood to her boyfriend so he can turn, so turn into a vampire. Crazy. And people wonder, what's wrong with TV? What's wrong with movies? Oh, it's a clean movie. You know, what's wrong with this book? People are, get so much you know, into it. I mean, years ago, people were going crazy with vampires. It was like a, such a popular, I don't know if it's still popular anymore. Idiotic thing. What do you, and look what people do. People take it serious, so serious that they're eating, they're drinking blood. So this is under the, uh, the category of kalat. I have a few more minutes, right? Okay, okay. Okay. Good, good. Yeah, by all means. All right, thank you. So, uh, the next one. Eating blood. Not allowed to. There's also a difference. We don't have time. I will speak about it a different time, but let's see your own blood, right? Some people automatically, they get a cut. They go, you know, they quickly, you know, suck in the... They, you, you, you shouldn't do it unless it's like poisonous and you need to like suck out the blood by all means. If you have a cut in your mouth, it also doesn't mean it's something else. You have a nosebleed, it's also something... It doesn't... It's not in that category. It's not in that category. But again, this whole blood is... It's a whole I mean, thing. Blood it's blood okay? No, no, no. I'm saying that if it's in your mouth, you don't... No. Let's say someone has a cut in the mouth. So every two seconds, <laughs> they're spitting on the road while they're walking. And uh, so, so yeah, but I'm talking about somebody who has a, a cut somewhere else. So it, it, obviously, there's, a, there's a, let's just go with the basics for now. Number 25. Number 25 is eating an offering after the allow, allowable time for eating the offering has, is, has uh, you know, let's say the offering is expired. You're not allowed to eat korban. You're not allowed to eat anymore. It's known as notal. Eating, number 26, eating an offering with intention of eating it after. This is known as pigul. Uh, no, uh, eating it after the, the allowed time. Number 27 is slaughtering and a offering outside the boundaries of the temple. Number 28, offering and off, uh, offering a koban outside also of the, um, the, the first one was slaughtering outside. The second one is, is offering an, uh, and a koban outside the temple. Number 29, this is applicable, eating chametz on Pesach. Somebody who eats chametz on Pesach is under the category of karat. Number 30 is eating or drinking on Yom Kippur. 
somebody who eats and drinks on Yom Kippur is violating uh, uh, Isu of Kut. Obviously, if they're in a Sakana and, 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 they, and they need to eat or drink, they're allowed to. And not only allowed to, they're required to. But I'm talking about somebody who doesn't need to. Just, you know, decides to make a, he makes a big blacha, you know, and he's, he's completely healthy. That is a violation of uh, Kalat. Number 32 is, no, I'm sorry, number 31 is violating Yom Kippur by doing one of the 39 commandments. Just like whatever you're not allowed to do on Shabbat, you're not allowed to do on Yom Kippur. Number 32 is, I didn't skip anything. No, no. Okay, number 32. 30. Yeah. So well, now 31. No, I did, I'm up to 32. Oh. Whatever it is. Okay, I'll, I can send you the list if you want. Number 32 is creating uh, the Shemin HaMishcha. It's a replica of something that, w- that was done in the time of the, of the Beth HaMikdash. You're not allowed to uh, replicate that. Actually, Moshe also, also uh, made that. Number 33 is re- uh, creating a replica of the Ketoret. Ketoret was a certain uh, Koban that, uh, that was brought up in the Mizbeach Hazav. So we're not allowed to replicate that because uh, it gives you the ingredients in the Torah. You're not allowed to replicate that. Number 34 is you anointing yourself with oil that was anointed with that Moshe Rabbeinu. Again, these things are not applicable, so we'll move on. Then there's, out of everything that we said, it was all negative commandments. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. There's two positive commandments. Fail, failure, which one of them is not applicable today. Failure to bring the Pesach, the Koban Pesach, which again is not applicable. We don't have the Beth HaMikdash. And number 36 is the failure to circumcise yourself. To circumcise the, so if a person is not circumcised, he has an ability, he has that, uh, sorry, the requirement to circumcise himself when he, when he has the ability to do that, obviously. Wait, what was 35? Uh, not bringing Koban Pesach. Okay. So the, the the most important one that I want to really get to it's a shame because I didn't I didn't um, get to everything that I wanted to speak about. But the somebody has to go through. Let's say somebody has they didn't keep Shabbat many many times they didn't keep Shabbat and they're like, well, that's crazy. I have to go so much suffering. I'm a, uh, there's a lost case. That's it. I'm done. So there is a way to get out of the suffering. First of all, obviously you have to do Chuba. Complete, complete Chuba. Chuba means that you start keeping Shabbat right now. You regret that you didn't keep Shabbat, and you confess to God about, the, about you not keeping Shabbat. Those are the basic of going to the Rambam. So what happens if somebody wants to get rid of the suffering? So the way that you can get rid of suffering is to bring suffering upon yourself. Now, wait, the, stay, stay with me. You're not allowed to go and start, uh, you know, taking a whip and be like, one Shabbat. You know, that's for this. You know, you're not allowed to whip yourself. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to physically call yourself any harm. What I mean by bring yourself suffering is when you're doing, let's say, mitzvah. Let's say you want to, there's a, there's a, there's a Torah class. And you're extremely tired. You don't want to go. And you know, you're not, you force yourself to go. You force yourself to do things for God that it's very difficult for you. You're suffering for it. It's so hot outside and you're forcing yourself to be modest. And you're forcing yourself all these things. You're going through suffering at that time. It's very suffering. It's, it's a lot of suffering. You have to walk through, you know, with, you know, in a hot day. It's a tremendous suffering. That suffering, suffering for God can deduct from your suffering that you need to get in the, uh, you know, in this world. So this is, is people don't understand. It's like when people go and they'll, they'll tell, say, Shabbat is so hard. I can't do Shabbat. You know, nobody in my family keeps Shabbat. How am I supposed to keep Shabbat? And they think of themselves as a curse. I'm like, this is the biggest blessing that you could ask for. One Shabbat, you don't know how many times you're fixing all the, it's so hard for you, you're suffering with keeping Shabbat. You know how many times you're fixing of the previous things? This is the best thing that you could possibly ask for. Yes, it's hard, it's good. It's good that it's hard. Not only that, it says the fum ga. The harder something is, the more reward you get. You get reward according to the effort. So the harder it is for you to do it, the more reward you get. So somebody that goes and has a hard time with certain things, they have a hard time with that, and, and, it, and they go and they fight their urges, and they go and they listen to God, they do those things, these can take away from the suffering that a person has to go uh, go through due to sins of Kalat. This is the, the, the biggest blessing is that it, that, it, that it is a little bit difficult for you. I saw a question brewing, no? Okay. Yeah. Okay, go oh, ahead. How do you know? <laughs> um, okay, so I'm, I'm sorry you said it already, but, but for sins that require karet, What's the, the way to, to get, be forgiven? The three things of chuba is stop doing it, number one. Mm-hmm. Regret that you did it and confess. No, but didn't you say that like you won't be good until Yom Kippur or was it? For karet, you have to, it goes through like this. It goes, it, you have to do chuba, then you have to go through Yom Kippur and then you have to go through suffering. Okay. It's okay. For suffering. So, so, what's the name of sin confess? It's, like, it's talking to God and say, God, you know, it's part of also the, the you know, the, the regret. I'm so sorry that I did this. I can't believe I did this. And I, you know, I did the sin. It, it's not for God. Oh, God be like, yes, my child, tell me what you did wrong. It's for you. It's for you. It's not the same as regret because you could confess. Regret is something that you have to actually feel bad that you did it. Regret is internal. 
confession is, is something that, I mean, everything has to be internal, but it's something that you're, you're confessing to, to, uh, uh, to God and, you know, apologizing and, and uh, things like that. We're going to go through, uh, we're going to go through, uh, um, I want to do a mini series on Chuba. Soon, when it comes closer to, to, uh, maybe in a week or two, we'll start it all and exactly how to do it in very, very interesting, uh, classes. Also, we'll speak about also specific things. Like we spoke about here, there are certain, there are certain sins that make you lose a share in the world to come. Very, or, or make, there are certain sins that makes it very difficult for a person to do Chuba. We'll speak about those things also. Prison needs to know, right? You have to know. You, you, you have to know what's real serious. People are scared. Uh, that's what you need to come. You need to come to those classes to know. It's, you know, people are scared about, uh, uh, how, does, how, does the, how does the world run? The world runs on fear. Imagine somebody comes and says, listen, next Monday, cops are off. Do whatever you want. How, how fast are you going to go on the highway? As fast as your car can probably go. Aren't you scared you're going to get an accident? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, they're going over there and with a music blasting. They're going 120 miles per hour without any problem. So well, what's going on? You're not scared? to be like, no, no, no cops around here. People live their life through fear. When it comes to Torah, like, oh, come on, Rabbi. Tell us a funny story, you know? Make us laugh. Say some jokes, jokester. You know, you're here for, for not only that, a speaker has an obligation. He has an obligation. After 120, when, when, uh, um, when somebody comes up to heaven, and let's say they're, they're, they, they spoke, they, learned, they started to preach Torah, and all the students that they had would have come to them. See, like, you, we came to your classes for two years. Never once did you mention about us not keeping Shabbat. We didn't know how important it was. We didn't know all these things. And they're going to come with, I don't know, they're going to come with, with claims against this person. What is this person going to say? I want you to like me. Like, who cares? Who cares who, who likes you or not? If you're a speaker, if you're a public figure, you have the obligation to, uh, to do what, what God wants you to do. You work for God. Everybody works for God. But if you're a public speaker, you have an obligation to do things that, that you need to say. And some people don't want to say, oh, no, this is a topic we don't speak about. Who cares about that? For women, yes, you need to speak about, we need, there's certain topics that you need to speak about for women, there's certain topics that you need to speak about for men. Doesn't matter if you're feel uncomfortable speaking about it. Maybe get a different job. Don't stop uh, speaking in public. It's not, it's, people have, it's a very big responsibility. So that's why it's very important to not only that to hear these classes is to, to search. There's certain rabbis that go very strict and those are the rabbis you have to listen to. Those are the rabbis that are going to make you change your life. Sitting into learning to is great. You have a, you have a, that's why somebody wants, uh, uh, you know, speaking in a certain place and they wanted me to speak. Speak about Parashat Midrashim. Speak about Midrashim. So fine, I'll speak about Midrashim. But I'm going to scream about Shuvah also. I'm going to scream about Shabbat also. You have a bunch of people over here. They don't keep Shabbat. You know, in the, in the, I'm talking about in the other class. They don't keep Shabbat. They don't know anything else. I'm going to tell you nice stories of the Tzadikim. You know, they're not going to change their lives. I have to tell them. That's a rule, usually. When someone tells you, you know, there's once a famous speaker, and he says, listen, there's a new crowd. Whatever you do, don't speak about this topic. Whatever you do. And the guy says, okay, no problem. He knows Israeli speaker. Like, no problem. Okay. I take care of it. The entire hour, he spoke about exactly what the person said not to speak about. All right? Probably didn't get invited back again, but he was, did what he's supposed to do. Obviously, there's a way to say it. You have to know how to say certain things. You can't just start, uh, you know, screaming at everybody. Be like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. You have to say everything the right way. You have to know how to, how to present the, the, the material. Questions? It's like something, Robert, this rocky yes, exactly. It should, it should, yeah. His style is very good. His style is very good. There's a lot of speakers like that. The speakers that are most popular, by the way, because uh, you know, I know, I, 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 get the, I, I could tell the, the from, from whatever. Like the speakers that are most popular are the ones that are harsh, the ones that say it as it is. And there are the people that speak about it. Munah is also very popular, also. Yeah. A lot of people condemn the rabbis who are harsh and who who speak like straight um, to the fear. So I mean, maybe this is more of a, a possible topic for the future, but. What exactly does it mean to, to, to serve Hashem out of fear, out of your ah? Because, like, I don't know, it's very confusing. A lot of people will say, like, yeah, you should, you should be scared not to... Serving God out of... Right. Or, and then... So there's two ways. You're saying serving God out of fear, serving God out of love? No, I'm saying, I'm saying, from what I've heard, there's two interpretations of what your ah is. And so a lot of people condemn the rabbis that basically preach, preach, like, they, they speak yeah. to your fear. I think the Chafetz Chaim. Yeah, I think the Chafetz Chaim says that any rabbi who doesn't speak about hell or heaven in his classes is should not be a speaker. In every single class, you're supposed to speak about reward and punishment. The Torah speaks about reward and punishment. Not only the, it doesn't only speak about the good stuff. It tells you everything out it is. That's one of the you know, especially for for Svaladim, One of the reasons why I like speaking to Svaladim is because they are able to accept it. They take it, give it to me as it is. You know, serve it to me on a platter. I don't 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 fluff anything up. Tell me how it is. Right? And I, I appreciate that. I like that. It makes it, there's certain Ashkenazim also, but I'm saying in general, uh, it happens to be most people that I speak to are Saladim. But 
the, the, the general, they're more, they're more prone to that. They'll be like, okay, give it to me. Give it to me how it is. Nowadays, people are more into, more into that. Other times, it'll be like, this guy's a fanatic. This guy's crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And they just push, push these people away. These are the people that, that you have to listen to. These are the people. You know when people change? Imagine a cop pulls you over and says, listen, um, you know, I would appreciate it if you can please, you know, go under 120 miles per hour. It's a little bit dangerous for the people. Um, and uh, here's Lolly. You know, have a good day. And the guy, a lolly. Uh, and, he, and he drives another 120 miles per hour. And so another cop pulls him and says, um, excuse me, let me tell you a really funny story. You know, and he tells us, one time there was somebody who drove really fast. And, you know, it was okay. No, he got into a little accident. But please try, we don't want that to happen. Right? This guy is not going to change. The person's not going to change. When he's going to change, when he gets a ticket, or when he gets points on his license, then he's like, all right. All right, now what happens after, what happens a second after a cop pulls you over? God forbid, it shouldn't happen to anybody. It should never have a, you know, it should never come to that. But what happens after someone gets pulled over? How do they leave seatbelts, mirrors, this? <laughs> all of a sudden you're an old woman driving in Florida. Like this, you know, like driving, you know, what's the speed limit? 50? 49, just to be safe, you know? Before that, you're like this, you know, cruising with your hand out the window and uh, music blasting. Afterwards, all of a sudden, you're a big tzaddik. Oh, look at this, you're driving over here. What changed? Your fear. Fear changes people. Happiness, yeah, love sometimes good. I, I, I'm a very big, uh, um, whatever, advocate that it needs to be both. Every, every, everything needs to be both. You can't have just fear and you can't have just love. It has to be a combination to it. Yeah, Judaism is beautiful. There's so much stuff to do. It, it's, it's, not only it's beautiful, it's amazing. You have to show the people how amazing it is. But on the other hand, there's sometimes that you have to show them, listen, if you don't do it, there's consequences to, to certain things. Just like there's consequences in this world. You don't stop eating cake you're probably going to blow up a little bit. It's just a consequence. It's not because God hates you. It's because you're eating a lot of carbs. I'm right, right? Okay. <laughs> I have to be very careful how I... But it's a, it's a, you, you want to lose weight. You have to, there, there are certain consequences. The same thing in the spiritual life. You do certain things with God, there's consequence that you're going to get suffering. No, God hates me. No, you hate yourself. Why are you, why are you sinning? Why are you doing certain sins that are going to be suffering by yourself? I went a little bit over. I apologize. Any questions? Hazakabo. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.